Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Mother She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my guest is Freak Bass. He's a funk bassist and heads the band with the same name. No matter what your musical preference is, I think you're going to have fun listening to Freak and I Talk because we're going to talk about his musical career, his creative life, and then we're going to talk about politics. So it's something for everyone. But before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash start me up. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash start me up. And don't forget, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Freak Bass. Welcome to the show, Freak Bass. Hey, so good to be here. I'm super excited about this. <laughs> me too, but I want to call you Freak. Do people call you Freak? <laughs> yes, Freak is actually the, uh, that, that's what my friends call me, and you are now officially a friend, so Aww. you call me Freak. That? That's freaking awesome. I think it's yes. aw- that, that's a cool name. So, you know, I just want to let the listeners know that we're going to talk a little bit about Freak's uh, musical history and then and what he's doing and all that good stuff, and then we're going to get into some political stuff. So I'm Yay. just going to jump right in. Um, I read or I heard you're from Ohio, is that correct? Yeah, Cincinnati, Ohio. Wow. Been, uh, been here literally my whole life. But I mean, I'm on the road, you know, well, obviously pre-pandemic, but, yeah. um, you know, up until then, I'm, you know, on, so I just, I do park here, but it's, uh, I don't stay parked here for too long normally in normal times. Right. What's it like there right now? I mean, I know, politically speaking, it's a little crazy. How is it living there? Well, I mean, you know, we'll probably get more into this later when we get into the politics side mm-hmm. of stuff. But, um, you know, well, first off, on the music side, let's start there. So okay. Cincinnati, it's um, it's got an incredibly rich music history here. Um, uh, there was a label that was started it here in like the late 60s, early 70s called King Records, which was the label that all the James Brown hits that, you know, mm-hmm. are, were, were on King Records. And they, they were they did a combination of like R&B, soul, funk. And then they also did like a lot of country stuff, too, as well. So and country and bluegrass. And um, so Cincinnati's a really weird place because, as you know, well, up until the last couple election cycles, but normally uh, Cincinnati and Ohio it was a swing state mm-hmm. it used to be purple now we've gone red again mm-hmm. we'll get more to that later mm-hmm. but but um but it's um you know it's being it's a being right you know we're right on the border of kentucky northern mm-hmm. kentucky so it's almost like a twin city in a way wow. almost like kind of minneapolis st paul is uh-huh. um but growing up here was great i mean it's like um you know besides cincinnati and dayton ohio is about 40 minutes up the road and there's been you know everybody from zap and the ohio players yeah. and um uh, I mean, you just go on on Slave, this amazing funk. So there's always, and of course, Bootsy's here, which I'm sure we'll talk about him a little bit too as well. So uh, growing up and being a musician, specifically a bass player in this town, I always say, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'd be playing music no matter what part of the world I grew up in, but mm-hmm. I don't know for sure if I would be playing necessarily funk specific had I not grown up in Cincinnati. Definitely the, the Ohio sound, because Ohio's got this very you know funk is almost very regional in its sound like the meters are from new orleans they have a very kind of sound to their thing obviously there's prince and, mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. time minneapolis and then you go to the san francisco with more like sly and the family stone or the red hot chili peppers in la yeah um, but but ohio's got it's i almost kind of think of it as like we're like the kid in the back of the class that we <laughs> had to like put our hand up a little higher and yell louder because people didn't notice us so because <laughs> of that the funk is always like really like boom boom like you know zap more bounce to the ounce and obviously with the influence of james brown so you know that's why uh you know that's kind of where i think it's kind of formulated from there so long story short it's been you know it's been great growing up here you know i I, i've came very very close many times you know almost made the the, you know the move to new york once we came close to moving to austin texas once Asheville, north carolina so i've been you know always kind of but it's like whenever I kind of got close to that, it's like I was on the road so much, it like didn't make sense for me to, you know, especially like say New York, like spend like five times is what I'm paying now exactly, yeah. to live if I'm going to be on the road all the time. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's kind of what's always kind of stopped me. But, um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's home and, you know, and I, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a Cincinnati, Ohio guy, uh, you know, through and through. Hmm, very cool. Uh, now 
how old were you or like when did you first know that you wanted to be a musician were you a kid yeah definitely i mean i was i started off as a drummer and um uh, my dad played a little bit of guitar he kind of you know played around the house so i kind of would watch him but um so i played drums played a, started getting a guitar a little bit but um there was a uh, in ohio there's this music college in northern ohio called oberlin music college which is a big private music college and they would kind of have tours that would go around the state and um i was probably like uh, probably fifth grade i think they had um their jazz band come to school and they just happened to sit me right in front of the bass player and, and when i heard that instrument and the sounds that came out of it it was just like you know that oh moment you know you have in your life yeah and um you know guitar i still play a lot of guitar now as well but guitar even now and 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 especially when i first started off that I always feel like if I play too hard, I'm gonna like I'm gonna like break it. You know, I'm like, I'm kind I'm kind of heavy-handed. You know, yeah. the way I play. So even when I was a kid, even like the the besides the sound that came out of the bass, but just like the thickness of it, and like you know, just like it just felt like more. I don't, it just fit with my my vibe a lot more. You know, hmm, interesting. Wow. And then so, were you? I mean, you you talk about your inspire. Well, you talked about James Brown. So what, and the different uh, music that came out of there and what were influencing you. So could you be a little more specific on first, um, when were you like drawn to funk to play it? And then of course, I mean, James Brown, but then who else inspired you? Well, a lot of the Cincinnati funk, well, let me say, you know, uh, I was besides like the funk people I mentioned, I was a cute, like a lot of my friends when I was kind of really starting to play and get into bands and, you know, really pay a lot of attention to music, you know, they were no like, you know, Nirvana and Green Day and all, and bands like that, which I still love those bands. But like I was during that period, I was like really into like Dr. Dre and Snoop hmm. Dogg, like that early nineties hip hop mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, I mean, I would just, you know, it was when I was first, you know, getting where I could play a little bit on bass and I would just play, you know, the chronic or doggy style, I would like literally play along with those records. Just, I mean, nonstop all day long. And yeah. now, you know, ironically, the, so much of those songs were songs that were sampled from old funk songs, you hmm. know, so from a, lo- a lot from this area that I'm from. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, anywhere from Dr. Dre and, and you know, I love Dr. Dre. I'm geeking out that he's going to be in the Super Bowl this year. That's like, a, <laughs> you know, and then we're crossing our fingers that speaking of Cincinnati, the Bengals, you know, oh, I, right. I don't know when that might, might make it in there too, which would be crazy. Yeah. Um, but, um, and, um, you know, this Cincinnati had like, um, it always had a really, uh, even like, um, uh, when I was a little kid, there was a band here called a Midnight Star that came out of here. Mm-hmm. They had like a bunch of kind of like R&B funk hits, and um, it's always been very rhythmic oriented. So whatever style of music I was into, it was rhythmic. But you know, I lo- loved. Uh, I got real into. You know, as much as I love all the funk stuff, you know, I mean, I loved you know Talking Heads. Dave, right. I'm a huge David Bowie fan. I mean, Me too, one yeah. of the things. Yeah, I mean, the reason, you know, a lot of people always ask me about, like, you look so crazy. You know, right, I was just going to ask you dress. about your clothes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, a big reason for that is, like, right around, I mean, I remember being, like, falling asleep on my mom's couch when I was a kid, and it was, I was probably up way too late than I should have been, and one of the first videos I remember seeing was Ashes to Ashes by David Bowie, mm-hmm, and it was just mm-hmm. like, it was that kind of state you're in, you're like, you're not sure if you're awake or you're asleep, mm-hmm. and so that when I was, like, hearing and getting attached to music, the visual was that... It it wasn't like it was a separate thing. It wasn't like right. I got into music then I wanted to look like got into crazy dresses or, or dressing up or whatever. It was like they kind of happened simultaneously, which, mm-hmm. you know, by way of people like Bowie and, and Parliament Funkadelic hmm. and bands like that. So, um, you know, that it was kind of a it seemed like both were like, you know, peanut butter and jelly and they went <laughs> together, you know. And you're so good. You know, I mean, I'm not a, I am no longer not that I was such a fan of his music, but I used to really enjoy Marilyn Manson because of how he put himself together <clears throat> since, uh, you know, we've heard some things that he's done that are not good. So I'm not a big fan of him. But and I don't uh, want to know. Uh, yeah. It's a shame, too, because, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar or wait, wait, uh, Antichrist Superstar. Is that the name of the album? I the one, yeah, the one that Trent Reznor produced. I, I mean, think so. Saw, that album is just like, I mean, just on just on a pure production side. Right. Side, obviously that's all Trent Reznor but it's like so like when I first started touring actually our old sound guy used to use that album just to EQ this the PA system at when we first pulled into a club just wow. because it's so freaking big sounding you know and the songs are great so it's a and I was in a Marilyn Manson too I mean same thing I loved he was you know almost like my generation's David Bowie in a way yeah. you know in terms of at first and or Alice Cooper or whatever right, but yeah. um 
it's a shame that you know the the direction that you know his last few years has been very disappointing to see what's been going on with him you know these last four or five years you know yeah it's just it's not good but I mean I always thought I always was drawn to his very unique and interesting look he put himself yeah. together so well and it, and it really is a talent it's just like somebody who knows how to put good makeup on put you know put clothes together it doesn't matter the style if you're good at it you're good at it and he was good at it and, and and that's how I feel about you because like you sent me several different pictures and they're all so fucking awesome but um oh, thank you. you you have this way of putting yourself together and I envy it because you know what I I think you know I used to be an actor and when I was studying I was living in Los Angeles and I remember I was <laughs> I was in this class and the emphasis you know the guy the teacher was putting emphasis on the way you look and how you dress and everything and I thought sure. I was really, really gonna like hit hit it out of the park, and I remember, you know, I'm six foot tall. You have to keep this in mind. I'm six foot tall. I have very oh, wow. large bones, so I have like broad shoulders, and so things that look good on other people don't necessarily look good on me. And I have my I have size eleven shoe. Finding shoes that look good on me has always been a struggle and then like so that they don't look like Frankenstein shoes so this, sure. is, this is all a setup so I thought I was like okay I'm just gonna look so good and my teacher's gonna like go on and on about what a great you know the great choices I made and so I, I found this sweater and it was very pretty it was this soft pink sweater that had like a it wasn't a lace collar but it, it was like a lace collar but the same color of the sweater and yep. then just like probably faded light blue jeans and then like Gilligan white tennis shoes. That's what I wore. And I thought, man, I'm hitting it out of the park. And he made fun of me and he called me like he's saying I wanted to be Louisa May Alcott or something. And, I, and, and eventually, eventually I, he was right. I looked ridiculous. I didn't really have a clue. And then I went to a different acting. It was like a whole school. Yeah. And my acting coach was really like emphasizing this. You have everybody has to figure out how to dress. And at some point, I was very fortunate because I got a, a little bit of an inheritance, and I could go out and I could buy really nice clothes. But it was not something that came natural to me. And I just sure. like it seems like with you, I mean, were you, were you just like playing around with your look, and then you're like, oh, this works, or did it take you a while to get to your look? Because you have a distinctive look. Just like Marilyn Man Manson was distinctive and Bowie is distinctive, you've got that distinctive look. Did it take you a while to find her? It was just natural. Uh, well, thank you. I mean, it was yeah. There's definitely a little trial and error types that you mm -hmm. know. It's like you you put you know certain clothes. You know they kind of lay on your body different ways than yeah. other types of clothes do. You know, so there's a little bit of uh, and certain things that you know that you can accent with well. You know, and I love you know again going back to being on the road. Sometimes you know you have you might have 20 minutes to jump into whatever you're going to be wearing on yeah. stage so you got you got to figure out a way to still make it like look cool but it still be practical so, and, and obviously packing it too as well mm -hmm. when, you, when you're like yeah. especially if you're doing a fly gig so right. um but yeah i mean it's just over the years just kind of you know experimenting but it's it's funny because i actually kind of bouncing off of what you said about your story i even went through like a few years ago i remember I was like, oh, well, maybe I should just kind of do like a T-shirt and jean kind of thing and try to just, you know, kind of be like a, a natural type thing. And I, I I was wearing just, you know, what normal people, just T-shirt and jeans yeah. and stuff. And I went on stage and I felt like I was playing dress up. I felt really? so, yeah, it felt really weird to me. I was like, huh. I was probably made that, maybe that's the way Clark Kent feels. I don't know, but <laughs> it, it, uh, I definitely felt so, you know dressing crazy or being what most people might think crazy feels a little bit more at home to me than right. even like if I was to dress like you know your normal type person I guess so Interesting. I don't know if it's good or bad but yeah <laughs> now uh, how, how do your parents react to everything that you do well my mom my father's not here anymore but but mm -hmm. my mom um she um I mean, my mom raised me, you know, my mom was more, you know, the product of the late 60s and early 70s, yeah. but she, she, um, you know, so she was more, you know, you know, Beatles, early Bowie generation, mm -hmm. but she's, she's, but she's from like, even that she's from that generation, she was like really into, you know, like I'd sit for hours and watch old Judy Garland mm -hmm. movies with <laughs> her and, and she was into Elvis hmm. and, uh, um, so 
she, you know, a lot of that stuff, you know, watching The Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. you know, the original Judy Garland won a million times. And so mm-hmm. a lot of that visual stuff with the entertainment side of stuff kind of came by way of her because she was all into all those old like 30s and 40s and 50s, you know, Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby movies, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, the showbiz movies. And mm-hmm. so that side of uh, the business was kind of came through a lot through her. So though they were very encouraged. I mean, I was in, wow. I was acting in Rocky Horror Picture show when i was like 14 years old wow. playing frank dr frankenfurter if that tells you anything right there <laughs> that's so awesome <laughs> yeah and you know my parents thought they were like you know he's you know here's our 14 year old son wearing you know garter belts and fishnets but at least we know where he's at every weekend because i was always at the, at the movie theater you know doing the thing that you know at midnight every weekend so they're like i guess that's probably a better thing so they were and then i went to school for creative performing arts so they always definitely encouraged you know that creative side they didn't mm-hmm. like try to stifle it at all oh, that's so really that was cool nice. that's really cool because i know that i mean my mother was an actor too so i mean and, and nice it, it made it easy but my dad was always concerned you know he was always concerned well why don't you try this and why don't you and and i just of course i'm not an actor anymore sure. but um at the time you know my dad is much more of the let's take the safe route my mom's like fuck it let's jump off a cliff <laughs> Right. You know, well, I there was a, and I agree. Things. There was a little bit of that. My dad was a, definitely a little bit more like, you know, once you check this out, once you check, yeah. I was really good at math, math. And so they oh, wow. were all kind of, I was, I was going to be an engineer or something like that <laughs> oh, wow. too, I think, you know, yeah. I can't imagine you as an engineer, but you know, I'm sure you would have been a good one if you, I was never very, you know what I think just like off the, off, going off the beat here for a second, sure. but I, okay. First of all, I was raised in Baltimore, Maryland until I was nine. Then my mom took me to California. So we lived in Los Angeles basically from then on. I mean, I did, I did come back to Maryland for six months and then I lived in Russia, uh, like in Soviet Russia for one school year in seventh grade. And, and I did get the benefit of that school, which was Anglo American school. And then some of the East coast schools that I went to, but California public schools, which is primarily where I got my education, were not very good. And I know that, and even here though, even here, when I was in sixth grade, and I was I was just here for half a year, but mm-hmm. I was doing my math homework, and it was, I think it was the new math. And, and I was with my aunt and uncle, and I was asking them if they could help me with it, and they knew the answer. But the way they got to the answer was the old school way. And there was that oh, new right. math that like took you 75 different like extra steps to get there. And they, sure. they, they called my uncle. They were calling other people and my family, this one problem. And I think that I had, I think because I was taught the new math, it really f- fucked with my head. I couldn't fit. My, yeah. mo- my mom would do the same. She'd be like, well, the answer 75. And then here's how you get to it. I'm like, no, that's not what they want. And right. my, my mom, who's so, like, oh, my God, she's 4.0 grade point average. I mean, she was going – she had a full-time job, and she was going to college, and she had a 4.0 grade point average. And it's like she's so freaking smart. And, wow. and that was so frustrating to her. And I think for me, math just became this devil, and my mind refused to accept it. And so, unfortunately, I'm not the best at math. But um, thank God for calculators. <laughs> yes, 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 big time. Yeah. Okay. And now, now it would be a joke if I tried to do any of that stuff. You know what I mean? The good thing is, is like a lot of found on just and just as a general statement, not all, but a lot of musicians tend to kind of be decent at math because right. music is very math. Yeah. It's very num- numbers oriented, so yeah. it kind of goes hand in hand a little bit. Wow. So um, I was just I I want to talk about the uh, the COVID situation, but we'll get more into that with politics, but. For now, I want to know what's happening as far as your touring. What's going on with COVID and your touring? It sucks. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, it's been, it's just like, you know, our booking agent is, it's just like throwing darts at a dartboard. You yeah. know, we, um, uh, we even have a big kind of run happening. Our first show back is, um, I mean, we did, I did some shows over the summer. We did some outside stuff. You know how you remember if you remember how July, at least in this part yes. of the country, it was starting to yeah. feel like oh, things are starting to feel a little normal. Yeah. Maybe by you know October, November thing, and then of course you know that all changed pretty mm-hmm. quickly. But um, um, and we even had you know we had a New Year's Eve gig, a real big New Year's Eve gig, and and it was in uh, we usually played New Year's Eve 
in Florida. We've done that for like the last six or seven years. But because of COVID, a club in Cincinnati, which is obviously where I'm from, you know, uh, one of the, uh, said, why don't you play here? We thought it was a little safer to at least to be at home so we don't have to travel across state lines. And um, it was literally up until the last minute. It was probably, I think it was a Friday, New Year's was this year. And, and Thursday we had to cancel because oh, Ohio, man. Cincinnati, excuse me, specifically had a state of emergency because right. so, too many of the, uh, the fire um, the fire department were getting sick um, from COVID. Oh and um, besides, obviously, as you know, firemen also do EMT work. So right, it was like, yeah. it was just felt like it was just too much of a risk. You know, both, it was both us and the club mutually saying this is probably not a good idea. Yeah. So, and um so, you know, and it's weird now because, you know, with touring, it's, you know, all the every state is like a little country now. Mm-hmm. So everybody's got <laughs> yeah. their own regulations. And, you know, Florida, I love touring in Florida, but, you know, it's as you know, I'm we'll probably talk about it. It's a it's a mess down there in many yeah. ways, you know. So um, it's, uh, you know, and there are some musicians I know some musicians I know that have actually just toured through this whole thing, which I'm wow. like, how could you even do yeah. that? Besides their own health, just the, it just freaks me out that they would do that. So, mm-hmm. um, but it's been really tough. We've got, yeah. like I said, we've got a big run starting. I think we're on like an East coast run in March. So we're just crossing our fingers yeah. by then, you know, but you just, you know, you just got to kind of take it day by day. day, by I mean, day. The, good, the, yeah. the good thing about this pandemic, I think, and I, and I talk to a lot of musicians feel the same way. It's kind of forced us, you know, the thing is, and, and Kimberly, I'm sure you, you can relate with this is that, you know, we're, 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 we're almost grown up to adapt, you know, musicians right. are very adaptable. Yes. So we've kind of adapted to this, this twilight zone that we're in. It's yeah. like I've, whether it be more live streaming stuff or, you know, more stuff on the recording side. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that I've kind of taken advantage because of that. But, um, you know, there's still not, nothing like seeing a, seeing a live show and being a part of a live show. And, yeah, the um, energy. Yeah. So, yeah, it's – but, you know, people don't uh, – the other thing is, that, you know, maybe some of your listeners know this, maybe some don't, but, you know, you see the people up on stage, and, yeah, those are the people that maybe you think of being directly affected one way or the other, but – with the music business, there's, you know, there's, there's bus drivers, yeah. there's, there's caterers, there's yeah. ticket people, the club people work at the club. I mean, it's not just the musicians on stage that like trickles down to so many, the hotels in town, you know, that people book to, to go see the band. I mean, it just trickles so many different directions. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, I just had this thought, um, on Saturday, Bob and I, Bob Seska, my boyfriend, for those who don't oh, know, but yeah. I think everybody knows, uh, we were watching Saturday Night Live, and I was like, Freak Bass needs to be on Saturday Night Live, and Bob's like, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, we want great. you well, to be we're, on we're Saturday on Night Live, <laughs> you would be such a perfect guest, oh my god. Okay, I want to know, what is the weirdest thing that has ever happened at any of your live shows? At Like one or two weird uh, things, because hmm. I can imagine. <sighs> Yeah, yeah. There are probably, probably some of them I shouldn't talk on air, but no, I'm just joking. Um, well, you know, I was talking about this the other day. Is um, One show, uh, I'm a little bit crazy on stage, and we played. This was probably about two or three years ago, and it was a festival, but the um, they had a big lighting truss over us, and it was kind of mm. hanging semi-low, mm. and uh, it was right at the end of the set. And, you know, it, it, right at the end, what, drummer, my drummer, he's, you know, kind of like swelling the cymbals and we do this big boom to end the set. Oh my and God. I always jump up, jump up as high as I can in the air and then come back down on stage. Well, I jumped as high as I could with as much force as I could. And I went, my head went straight oh into one of the uh, platforms holding one of the lights and it knocked me out. Like, I mean, I was Whoa. down like boom, like that. Now, the good news is I luckily I had one of my crazy hats on, so right. thank God I did for that yeah. show because that probably, like, helped me from not going to the hospital. But, I mean, I was out probably for, you know, two, three, four seconds. You know, I was seeing the birdies over yeah. my head and stuff. But then I guess I didn't realize, you know, I got a cut on my head. Now, like, it didn't really hurt that much, but, you know, your head is – all the blood vessels are so close to your face. Yeah. That I mean, I've the, the I had I went to mirror oh, I had man. like I was just covered oh. with like Gene, Gene Simmons on like steroids <laughs> from Kiss, and because the audience was looking at me horrified, and I'm like I I mean I'm a little woozy, but I'm right. fine. And then so that was probably at least wow. on a uh, on a dramatic side of stuff. Right. That was definitely one of the craziest things that's happened in a few years. Yeah. Wow. Um. So if you had to choose, now no, I'm not talking about um being an engineer well sure. unless unless it was an engineer if you had to choose a different career path and i would assume it would have it would be in the create you know something creative what would you choose if you couldn't be a musician and you had to choose something else 
Probably something to do with film, for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, whether I don't, I'm not sure in front of the camera, or behind the camera. Of course, you know, being an actor will be awesome because we do that kind of stuff in videos. But yeah. even, you know, when I watch, I'm a huge movie buff, as mm -hmm. you know, Bob Bob will let you know. I mean, mm -hmm. we talk movies all the time, yeah. and it's like, it's um, just the seeing how the direct. I'm just fascinated by how the, especially the directing and the cinematography side of stuff. You know, that I see myself watching that you know focusing hmm. on that almost as much as the the storyline a lot of times with movies so you know i'm guessing maybe somewhere in that side of things i always joke i'd probably be a truck driver because mm -hmm. i got a truck driver gene from being on the road all the time so <laughs> um and i do weird things i i've like you know our main stopping point when we're on the road are our truck stops you know it's like right. loves and 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 pilot guys so you're in that culture a lot even mm -hmm. that you're a musician so and i'm kind of like I've got this weird little like stands thing for like the whole truck driver. It's a, such a weird, like that, you know, it's like a nomad lifestyle, yeah. you know, which I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm obsessed with. Um, <laughs> did you see nomad land by the way? I have movie? not. I have not. Oh, it's so, so good. So, um, but you know, Francis McDermott obviously won one, yeah. you know, and it won for best, best picture and everything, but it's, uh, that 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 movie is like our life pretty much you know wow. it's like everybody sees the the glamorous stuff on stage but there's right. a funny meme that goes around i've seen on twitter where it's like this is what our lifestyles were like and it's like a picture of a bathroom and a truck stop <laughs> and uh you know a backstage with everybody looking at their cell phones you know and um so it's um you know so that 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 trucker lifestyle has been obsessed but I, I know i went off on a tangent but probably definitely definitely something the arts probably with yeah. something to do with film i'm saying probably for sure Wow, that's so interesting. And it's not surprising. It's because you are very much a showman. And so that doesn't surprise me at all. And it's funny because when you talk to creative people and you ask them, you know, what would you want to do outside of, you know, just what I asked you, usually yeah. they come up with another creative field. And it's funny because, again, I was an actor for a long time. I was on a soap yeah. opera for uh, seven years. I had a very small role. It was just a teeny little role. It was recurring, wow. and I played a police officer, and I never, you know, I never achieved well, I, I didn't achieve what I was looking for at the time, but I left sure. the business when I was 31. So I could mm -hmm. have stayed and there was still an opportunity for me to find success. I just kind of um, didn't want, I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. I, the, sure. the way that it happened for me was I got burnt out. There was a number of things that led to this, this burnout. And um, so I thought I had been with this acting studio for quite a long time. And I thought, all right, well, I just, I'm going to leave. And it was hard to leave because it was where I had the most fun, pretty much where I learned my craft. My, my coach was amazing, but I just like, I got to a point I had to leave. And then I thought, well, I'm going to take a little break and then I'll get back into it. And I kind of tried to, it was the funny thing when I finally thought I'm going to go take another acting class just to kind of get back into it. And I think mm -hmm. it was like a six week class. And we had to do this thing where we would stand facing each other, like, or there was like one person and they would move and the rest of the class would, you know, mimic what their movement. And yeah. so this person bends down and starts swaying back and forth. So like their back is bent, they're like, they're uh, able to touch their toes and they're swaying mm -hmm. their torso back and forth. So I do this and I hear, Click. I just heard this little noise in my back. And mm. two days later, my back went on on me and oh it's goodness. been a recurring thing ever since but I just and it was so bad because I, I it was so funny I had to go for my job I had to go to um, Santa Barbara which was like two hours away from me and I was mm -hmm. I was a little nervous about going but anyway I had just gotten a cell phone it's like 2000 I don't know one whatever it was yeah. and it was probably nine o'clock in the morning and I and my back was acting funny that morning and I get in the car and then I couldn't move. And I had to call mm. my mother. And I was like, I can't get out of my car. I can't move. Uh. So she had to go get some male neighbor of mine. And they had to, like, carry me back up to my apartment. It was so awful. And then I, like, to oh this day, goodness. I still have the issue. But anyway, um, what was my what was my tangent about? But I, the, the idea is I think we would all – I think the, the creative people tend to stick with, like, creative. But I went, in, I went into sales, so I went oh, from wow. being an actor into outside sales, which was the only way I could do it because then I had my freedom. Um, sure. And then it's so funny because I did – so I did like acting for approximately a decade. Then I did outside sales for approximately a decade. And then I wrote a couple of books, 
which all led to this moment right here where I'm in front of a microphone back to being creative. You know, so I took 10 years off of creativity, although in those 10 years, I got the idea for my first book, which is The Virgin Diaries, where I interviewed people about having sex for the first time. So I was creative, but it was kind of like I dipped in and dipped out and I didn't really get things going until 2010. So it's funny to me. It's like I, I just took 10 years off of, of the creative life. <laughs> but wow. now I'm back. Wow. And this is Yay. just a form of creativity. It's different, but I, sure. I like it. I, I prefer it because it's I get to control everything. And I like right. that I can control it all. <laughs> So. And, and how how is your back nowadays? Is it is it um, still you still it, dealing with it or is yeah? It I mean, better? I don't I don't have knock on wood. I don't have. I had I think two or three times where I couldn't walk, and I remember when Obama was running, and it was I mean for the election, I had to, I was standing in line in the rain with a cane, so mm. for like six weeks my back was sore. But it's like a recurring problem. But I think as long as I do crunches regularly yeah. i can yeah. i can keep it you know i mean i'm i'm 53 so i'm i'm get you know i have some arthritis and i think a lot of the time when i have back pain it's more arthritis than anything else so it just it takes sure a day or two and then it leaves so it's oh it's just so fun getting older getting older with mm -hmm. covid and all of that <laughs> so yeah yeah um, crazy world it right? is a crazy world and we're going to talk about that so we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about politics oh hi it's kimberly are you my patron why aren't you my patron? If you just go to patreon.com slash start me up, you're going to see all the tiers I offer. You're going to see so much. You're going to see everything. Just go to patreon.com slash start me up and become my patron today. You won't regret it. All right, we are back. So I don't know if you saw this, but this morning there was an article. There's a new it's stealth Omicron, Omicron, and I guess it is, and they've detected it in 40 different states, and it's some sub-variant. Have you heard about this one? Oh, no, I haven't. You are, you're, bre you're breaking news I'm to breaking me right news. now. Yeah, oh, and it's goodness. like, I'm so pissed. And I'm just going to go off on a little tangent here for just a second. Because during this time that we're in, this incredibly horrible time, sometimes what I do is I, just for shits and giggles, not that I rely on this. I want to be very, 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 very clear to people. I do not rely on this, but I do it as an escape. So... I, I found this video on YouTube last night where uh, it was an interview with this psychic guy and he was going to make predictions for 2022. And I thought, okay, I want to hear what this guy has to say. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know about this guy. I have never seen him before. Evidently, he's a lifelong psychic. He's 73 years old. Um, and I've never heard of him or anything like that. But so it, he had a couple interesting things to say. And he said that with, with COVID, we're going to, it's going to be around for the next two or three years, but... He <clears throat> believes that with each new surge, the or variant or whatever, it's going to be milder and milder until the last one is kind of like sniffles. And eventually, and he lives in Canada, and he was saying that he he just went with North America, so Canada, North America, Amer United States. Sure. Okay, so we'll see. We'll see about that. And then the one of the other things he he said three things that I thought were interesting. He said that. Um, with this whole thing with Ukraine and Russia, he doesn't... Now, I'm not sure what he meant if he meant, like, United States and Canada wouldn't get into war, or if right. he meant that there wouldn't be a big, big war with Russia and Ukraine. I'm not sure what he meant by that, but he said he didn't think it was going to get to that, like, boiling point, but he did predict that in May... I think it's like April and May, There's it's going to be really, really tense and really, really scary, and we're going to come close to, like, a very similar situation to the cuban missile crisis but it's not going to be quite as bad so oh goodness. there's that but but ultimately he thinks it's going to be okay and then i thought this was interesting he said that in october or november the united states people in the united states are going to start being nicer to each other and it's very hard for me to believe that um but i think well if he's correct then i'm going to take that to mean that the democrats would win because if the republicans win it's not people aren't going to be happy i mean i know the yeah. republicans will be happy but i don't think that overall that people would be happy so you know for what it's worth again i know it's like it's psychics and you never know who knows but it was like that's what i do like i kind of like to go on an escape and i just sure. listen to you know whether i read what people are predicting you know for uh usually though it's politics i want to see what they're predicting for politics right and um you know who knows 
I try to live in that though, because it's much easier to say, okay, well, I'm just going to go with things are going to get better. Because if I try, if I focus on what's happening right now, I lose my fucking mind. Right. <laughs> I don't, don't want right. to lose my fucking mind. I <laughs> know. Uh, I mean, the variant thing makes sense. What he said. I mean, that seems to be the trajectory that we're yeah. seeing. You know, in terms of it getting. You know, but who know? I mean, mm-hmm. it, there's so many petri dishes around now because people are not getting vaxxed. So it's like. You know, that's the thing. Everybody, you know, wants to compare us to the UK, but like, yeah, sure, you can follow the lines like that. And but their their uh, their vaccination rate is like, you know, way higher than ours is. Right. And um, so, you know, all these states, especially a lot of the southern states that are, you know, not very vaxxed. I mean, yeah. who knows what's going to start forming in those little like again yeah. petri dishes? That's what scares me. You know. Yeah, it's terrifying. And then, um, of course. When uh, Barry Weiss was on Bill Maher, both of them were talking about how they're done with COVID. And yeah, I watched that. I could because I knew I was going to be on your show. I mean, I usually like zone in on that show, but I was like, you know, I'm going to watch this tonight because I heard you and so many other people kind of talking about that on Twitter. I was like, let me let me see what this this says. But go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Well, yeah, I mean, and I just I disagree with this whole I'm done with COVID crap. But yeah, interestingly, yeah. last night I think it was on Chris Hayes. He did this chart. And I was in the middle of cooking dinner, so I was, you know, I can't read, I can't remember everybody. But he did this chart with, it was the people who were vaxxed, the people who were going, you know, like just haven't been vaxxed yet, but intend on getting vaxxed. And then the people who weren't going to get vaxxed. And I know it's just like a bunch of different categories, but it, but it was breaking down the population and where everybody stands with vaccinations. And it he had a chart of all these different countries and the two worst with the the highest rate of anti-vaxxers who are basically going on misinformation first was russia and then us yeah and then everybody was underneath us and doing better we're the worst russia's the worst we're the second worst which that's pretty fucking sad and um you know, and the, the the Bill Maher thing, I mean, I used to be, I just, I have to say this because, oh my God, he pisses me off so much, but I used to be a huge fan of that show. I, I yeah. love Religious. I, I used to watch it religiously, the, mo- yep. the show, and I, I did not always like him. I actually never liked him. And sometimes I don't agree with him, but I didn't care because I yeah. liked the show. And it's funny because my father was a cameraman for ABC News and had to work with him. And mm. even my father watched his show, but he's like, he's an arrogant fucking dick. He's just a dick. And so yeah. it, this is nothing new. I knew Bill Maher was a dick. But, the, but I stopped watching him when he warned women, basically, not to take Me Too too far. And right. interestingly, right. there's this show that's being advertised and I can't remember what channel it's going to be on or when, but it's, I think it's called like the dark side of the playboy mansion. And oh, right, right, right. yeah, some, yeah. somebody said on this in, or in this documentary, you know, yeah, well there was a lot of, of men, people drugging women and basically raping them. And yeah. so now Bill Maher, who like lived at the playboy mansion is telling women not, he's warning women not to go too far. And it was like, fuck you, dick. You have lost me. I, I have put up with you and disagreed with you and respected you because he is a smart guy. He's a very smart guy. And it's, sure. you know, and it's like, so what I, I tweeted, because I think this whole I'm done with COVID is so irresponsible. It's like, okay, well, I'm done with cancer, but it's not done with us. So let's be adults about this. And I don't right. think he's being, and I think he's just being a, a very privileged, entitled, whiny man. And she, she's, you know, somebody said it was like a narcissistic love fest, and I totally agree with it. But, um, you know, I, and if, if someone likes to watch Bill Maher, that's fine. You can go watch Bill Maher. Um, but I'm going to say what I have to say about it. And, you know, I keep getting hit up by these bros on online telling me that I'm living in a bubble and I should listen to other people's points of view. It's like, oh, my God, I always listen to his point of view when I didn't agree with it before, and I didn't say that I was done with him. Um, right, right. But it, but it's like it got to a point where I found him. I find him offensive now, and I can see his value as far as his intelligence. Obviously, the guy's really fucking smart, and he can really right. be. He can be quite funny, but it's like he just lost me, and I don't need the bros online telling me, explaining to me <laughs> who Bill Maher is and what he does. And it's just like, it's oh my so, god, he pissed me so off. It's so weird, Kimberly. Like how so much in what is you might normally think is more like liberal media, obviously Bill Maher, but even like, you know, I don't want 
I don't know how far you want to go down this rabbit hole, but the whole Joe Rogan thing. Oh I mean, my Joe God, Rogan yeah. used to be like a Bernie guy. Yeah. And then, and then now, you know, I don't know if he saw dollar signs in his, yes, in, yes. In, or what, but now he's <laughs> like, you know, catering to this like extreme, like, like QAnon thing yeah. going on. And, and I'm like, where is that come? Like, I, you know, I listened to him a couple of years ago and there was none of that, you know, he barely even talked politics. If he did, it was a little bit of Bernie here and there, but it was right. very, very like, in, what, it wasn't like his staple thing, but yeah. now it's almost like a daily thing. You'll get a clip of him saying something about it. And um, it's just so weird. I mean, in the music community right now, the most fascinating thing to me right now, and I'm assuming you probably heard all about this is the whole Neil Young thing that's going yes. on right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I don't think Neil Young, and for those that don't know, Neil Young's telling Spotify, either you take my music off of Spotify or um, or Joe Rogan, it's like me or him type mm -hmm. thing. Now, I don't know if him by himself will be right. able to do it, but if other if artists other ones, start yes. getting on that bandwagon, which is, I think, very possible, then it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens, you know? Yeah, and you know what I mean? Whether it's Joe Rogan or Bill Maher, any of these people it's fine if I don't agree with them. I don't have to agree with people, but when you start spreading information that's harmful to the, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday. It was a friend and he saw my tweet and I think initially he, he tweeted back and he said something kind of defending Bill Maher. And then, right. and then he messaged me privately and he said, I think I, I just broke your heart. And I said, no, you didn't break my heart. I said, I just disagree with you. And yeah. um, and so then he said something about, well, he's a, he's a comedian and um, I can't remember exactly the way he described him, but basically that you don't take him seriously with politics. But then, you know, he comes back and he he starts saying, well, Bill Maher said this about politics and Bill Maher said that with about politics. And I agree with him here and I agree with him there. I go, well, you just proved my point. He because I, I had said to him, you know, he does have political influence. He has the influence on people listen to him and yeah. they, they he's a leader. And, and they follow his lead. And, you know, even though he may be a comedian, he does a show about politics. He gave Obama a million dollars. You know, right. he's, he is a political person. And, and so, you know, the guy, we had the back and forth and I told him, I said, look, I, again, I'm not trying to tell you who you should like or who you should listen to. But when, mm. it, when it comes down to spreading information that could really, I mean, it could literally kill people. It's yeah. irresponsible. And so yeah. I don't, it's not about opinions. And, and yeah. I wish people would understand that when, you know, they make assumptions that, you know, if you don't like Bill Maher, it's just, you don't like his opinion. No, I don't like the fact that he's spreading disinformation and that he is bagging on Fauci, which is what the MAGA crowd does. I can't even get over that. Right. So, you know, right. and I agree with you that if other, if, if we saw some other artists standing up like Neil Young did and, you know, obviously Neil is older. He's got all the money he's ever going to want. He doesn't give a shit about money. So it's right. definitely going to be those artists who are in his position who could afford to do that. Right, right, definitely. Like you know, like the, like the Fleetwood Macs, or yes. you know, the, like you know Don Henley from the Eagles, mm -hmm. or someone like that, who I could definitely see. You know, that that type of thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's, we gotta it's, have some winning. We need some winning because it's just like crazy is winning right now. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is, and it, and it's like that's what I don't understand too. Is like I mean, I guess it's all dollar. I mean, obviously, the whole thing about the liberal media is such a like a facade. Yes. That that that, that the right right has been able to paint, you know, and and like it, which you know their mess. You know. I don't agree with them anything, but it's like their messaging. I mean, when they get on their message, I mean, the one thing you have to give it to them is that, they, man, they are like lock, stock, and barrel all together on mm -hmm. whatever their messaging is. Mm -hmm. And 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 it seems like, again, like the whether it be the Bill Mars or the Joe Rogans, it's like everybody's kind of leaning this like, mm -hmm. you know, this, this weird way of just like, you know, and, and even all the stuff, I mean, the whole Biden thing, it's like, it's his first year in office. Mm -hmm. Obama, I, rem I remember Obama's first year in office, you know, and I remember even Clinton's and my mom even told me when even Reagan on the Republican side's first year of office, it's always like this for, yeah. for these, for these guys. So it's like, I'm not that worried about it yet, but it's like, it, it feels like the, the piling on, 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 uh, you know, Biden is, it, it's just, it, it's so une even tempered right now. It's it just is. bizarre. It's, just, it's yeah. so frustrating, especially when you can see, no matter what you think of him, no matter if, yeah. you, if you're like a Bernie supporter and you just weren't interested in Biden. I think Biden was, was 
he was certainly not my first choice, and I'm really right. impressed with him. I think he's doing a fantastic job, and I do think he was the man. I don't like to say that, but I mean the person, the man. I think you needed – you know, it's funny – there's this woman I see in the grocery store all the time. She checks my groceries, and we've kind of become friends, and she's black, and she's probably about my age, maybe a couple years younger. And so I always talk politics. I do it at the fucking grocery store. And so, yeah. you know, we, we kind of hit it off. We, we had this friendship going, and we were, she's a yeah. Democrat. And so at the time, during the election, I was asking her, I'm like, you know, so who are you supporting? And, she, you know, I, I can't remember if it was Biden initially. But eventually it became Biden. And I was like, no, you know, Elizabeth Warren, don't you want to win? She's like, I love Elizabeth right. Warren because I love her. But we need a white man to beat Trump. And I yeah. disagreed with her. And now I'm like, I've, I've told her, I'm like, you were correct. <laughs> yeah. You called it. And and the main reason, I think, is just because you've got like, for instance, my car mechanics are two older white conservative men and they yeah. didn't, they don't like Trump. So I yeah. don't know if they voted for Biden, but I know that, you know, I think they might have voted for Biden because he's viewed by that crowd as kind of a centrist. And, right. you know, I feel like if it were Elizabeth Warren, absolutely, they wouldn't have voted. And, right. you know, for her, I don't know if they voted for Biden, but I assume that men like that did vote for Biden. And if it were Kamala Harris or if it were Elizabeth Warren or if it were even Amy Klobuchar, I don't think they would have done it. And so I do think the person for that moment was Biden. And then because he's been in the Senate and, and, and Congress for so long, because he was a vice president for eight years to a black man and yeah. was always so incredibly gracious about it. Um, yeah. You know, I think he was the perfect person and he's done a lot. He's done yeah. a lot. More than I mean, I compared to the mess that Obama was left with, like Joe Biden got that times a hundred, and so he's been doing really well considering every single thing that's stacked against him. And yeah. you know, but that as you said, we've got this news media that's trying to turn it into a horse race. And when Trump has this one particular set of numbers, he's doing great. And then when Biden has that exact same set of numbers, oh, he's not doing great. He's, he's doing I know. What, the, yeah, like, what was it, like 3.2 unemployment yeah. numbers a week or two ago? Yeah, and it's right. like, you know, they just lauded over Trump for it, and it was the exact opposite for Biden. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah that's, pol that's Politico specifically. <laughs> and as, yes. as Soledad O'Brien uh, likes to constantly tell us, Politico is trash. And it is. Um, now, I want to ask you like, an, like a question that has to do with a lot of different things, and we'll get to a couple of these things specifically but there's all these different things that are going on, and we've got fascists wanting to take over. We've got COVID. We've got the Russia-Ukraine thing going. We've got Trump's legal problems, which we have to talk about, and we've got the midterms. So yeah. politically speaking, like, do you have a gut feeling of where we're headed, or are you just like big question mark? Well, I mean, I'm obviously crazy nervous about yeah. you know November of next year like everybody is. So, um, you know – it's weird because I've got, you know, Ohio is a pretty, you know, the city of Cincinnati's more liberal, but anywhere on the outskirts of it, it's very conservative, you mm -hmm. know, but it's, it's a pretty much a Hamilton County, which is where Cincinnati's at. It's a, it's a pretty good bellwether mm -hmm. um, of things. I mean, just Ohio alone, you know, uh, Tim Ryan's running uh, for on the democratic side mm -hmm. for Senator and then against uh, the JD Vance, right. is probably right. going to be their, their nominee. Who's like, He's another one. Yeah. You know, he used to be almost like a, you know, he was a Republican, but he was definitely on the Mitt Romney, more right. centrist type Republican. Yeah. And all of a sudden now, now he's, he's like, you know, on Twitter today, you know, getting all excited because uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene gave him an endorsement. And it's like, what? You know, so, um, yeah. So, um, I, I mean, it's it's hard to say, you know, I mean, I have friends that are Republicans that are have been pretty much like hardcore, you know, with, with, with the vaccines and wearing masks and, and mm -hmm. not that, you know, you can necessarily equate one with the other, whether politics are going to ride in November, but, um, you know, and of course there's the history thing, which is, you know, just generally, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter what side of the aisle you're on, usually who's ever in power at the presidency that the yeah. opposite, um, wins, but, but this is different though. Yeah. This is like, it is. you know, this is, this is feeling like democracy on the line. Yeah. And, and if the, if the, the Democrats are able to paint it, I mean, I, I think if they should just be lock stuck and just one issue, mm -hmm. like 
you know, vote for democracy, vote Democrat. I mean, something like that, mm-hmm. blatant, you know, like everybody's going to be like, oh, that's not, you know, that's, that's too broad of a brush or whatever. But that's what the Republicans would do. They would mm-hmm. be like that straight, like, okay, if you don't vote this way, you're not going to, you're not going to have a democracy anymore. I mean, just yeah. be that blatant about it. I'm sure they'll get a, tons of blowback on Tucker Carlson. Of or course whatever, they will, but, but they will but anyway. Yeah. yeah, they will anyway. You're right. No matter what. Exactly. So so just like be to where where not you or I, we already know how we're going to mm-hmm. vote. But like the the, the average, yeah. you know, person in the household is going to be like, oh, this is, it seems like a, if you can make the other side as risky as they actually will be, like yeah. paint them as the risky choice. You know, I think people don't want risk. Mm-hmm. You, you're, your person that's not a normal political person they don't want risk right. you know no matter what and if you can paint the democrats as the not risky ones which is you know the i mean it's going to be i mean just in your imagine what it'll be like if the republicans get in congress i mean if they they run I the house again, it's going to be freaking insanity insanity yeah if that happens you know and i wish the democrats would focus on and i told this to jamie harrison he was on my show uh, the yep. DNC I listened to that show. It was a great show. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's like yeah. we need to tell people what they're going to lose, because you know when I was not paying attention, when I was a young girl not paying attention to politics, every anything that caught my attention was it had nothing to do with you know with um, how comfortable we were or yeah. what Democrats are going to give me. It was what are the Republicans going to take away from me? And yeah. as I told Jamie, Sarah Palin was the thing that she turned me into a political junkie. I loved yeah. Obama. I thought he, I thought he was great. But yeah. at that point I was not a political junkie. I was paying attention. My vote was already going to go to him. But as soon right. as she stepped on that RNC stage, it was like holy shit. We she, if she is the vice president and it, and of course we didn't know with with McCain's health what was going to yeah. go on cuz he was a little sure. older and we thought okay, well he's an older guy and right. you know she's just uh, one breath away. From, yeah. from the nuclear codes and that really scared the shit out of me and it's like I hope that he takes that to heart and I don't necessarily see the Democrats doing that right now but as Jamie did point out the closer we get to the midterms people aren't really paying attention right now right, so the closer sure. yeah the closer we get to the midterms I think that's when they're going to start bringing everything out and let's just hope and you know did you hear that um, the A was it the is it the AG no I can't remember the name of it but it was the in Georgia um, they there's that whole lawsuit against Trump and they wanted to get a grand jury and they, whoever it was, and I can't, it was a woman and I just wish I could remember her title, but I can't, but um, they did get uh, approved to have a grand jury. I did hear that. Yes. Last night. Yes. Now this is not something that we're hearing all over mainstream. We're not hearing it on CNN so much. We're not hearing it on MSNBC, but it's going down. And yeah. what's really funny is, I mean, I think, okay, so there's that. And then we saw last week with Letitia James that she just was like going, there's this huge, huge uh, number of, of, of things that she let out that, you know, this is, we're going after him for this and for that and for this and yeah. for that. And so um, it was funny because I saw on, I think it was like on Tucker, one of those shows, they were interviewing Trump's female lawyer, who of course happened to be a very pretty young woman. And mm-hmm. I, I'm like, okay, who is this? Because he can't afford a good lawyer. So right, I looked right. her up, and there was a story on her that basically she was like the, I don't know, she had something to do with like a parking garage. She was, you know, with her job, it had to do like with a parking garage. She's like, this woman is going against Letitia James, who is so good and so seasoned, and, and she is not messing around. And Trump doesn't pay his lawyers, and he can't afford a good one, so he's got this woman. And I think it's kind of funny. (laughs) But, I mean, now let me – this is what I'm leading up to is, okay, we've got – obviously we're going to have televised hearings eventually soon enough with 1-6. And Mm. the Supreme Court blocked Trump's efforts to get the stuff from the National Archives, so that's going to be available. We're going to hear about that stuff. Right. And then I'm trying to think. So, of course, there's the James thing. And then there's uh, there's the criminal and the civil. Plus, we've got the stuff in Georgia. There's all this all this legal shit is coming down. It's raining down on Trump and his family. And do you think that first of first part of the question is, do you think we're going to see any indictments this year on any anywhere? And do you think that 
how do you think that will affect voter, just how voters are feeling in the midterms? Well, in terms of it, I mean, I'm sure Trump and all his people, all they're trying to do is run out the clock mm-hmm. until November. You know, that's yeah. I'm sure that's a strategy and ultimately run it out till 2024 mm-hmm. if he can. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, 2022, like, again, that those, those tend to be, as you know, softer voters in mm-hmm. midterms yeah. versus like, you know, everybody votes in the presidential election. Right. It's like a, the cool thing to do. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm still a little nervous about that. But, you know, I think they are planning them you know you're talking about how jamie said as it gets closer people are going to start paying attention right you know if if this one six committee starts you know say running you know mid to late february and it starts going into april-ish you know early may-ish i mean that's when people are starting to you know your normal normal person starting to pay attention more and if there's i mean i you know i'm not a fan of her politics but um I would not want to be on Cheney's bad side. No you know? shit. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I have a feeling she's got something. She's not, you know, she's as as smart as they, as they yeah. come. You know, again, right. I'm not into her politics, but she's smart as they go. She would not. I don't think she's, and I don't think she's doing this just for an ego trip or no. to to elevate herself or anything like that at all. I think there's a lot of. You know, with between her and all her dad's friends mm-hmm. and everybody that he knows high up in governments all over the world, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot. I think there's a big, big shoe that's going to drop that it's going to probably, you know, blow people away probably in early spring. That's my no. guess. I mean, they're, they're putting that, you know, <laughs> fingers crossed, of course, but um, probably, I mean, I'm not one of the people I think that I don't think that we're going to see like Trump walk away in handcuffs, but I do think it's very, very possible that something will happen to where he's legally not allowed to run for office again. That's what yeah. I ultimately think is probably if I was betting, that's probably what it's going to be. He just legally won't be allowed to run for the office. This would be that's it's not where I'd ultimately like to see him, but that would definitely be a big load yeah. off of mine and I'm sure a lot of people's minds, you know. Yeah, but then we have Ron DeSantis and that's pretty scary. And and my whole take True. on this whole True. thing with Ron DeSantis is I'm not altogether convinced that if Donald Trump were to be the nominee in 2024, that he would win. I, I think he could win if they rig it. Of course he could win. But if, right. if, you know, I think that because so many people showed up to vote against him, especially from the Republican Party, we've been there, done that. We know him. This happened to him in 2018 and 2020. He's somebody who is a proven loser that you've got Ron DeSantis, who is not a proven loser. And people are not as familiar with him. And we all know that Republicans will, you know, march in lockstep and get behind whoever. You know, if it was a piece of dog shit, they'd get behind the dog shit and vote for the dog shit. So, you know, and and, and again, I think if it gets to the point where, I mean, if we have if we have any kind of voting, whether if we can pass the Voting Rights Act, I had Alison Gill of Mueller, she wrote, she made a good point that if we can't get this passed, um, the votes, the voting right bills passed. That the Democrats are going to have to figure out a way to make it illegal for Republicans to insert these electors that are just going to overturn a free and fair election. If 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 that's all we can get, I'll take it. I'd rather get the bill, but um, yeah. you know we have to get this done because otherwise we're going to see the the attempt that we saw in 2020 will it will actually be a successful coup. If they can, if they can install those electors, so I'm not exactly, you know, I'm not, I'm just like with you, I'm not exactly sure what I'm trying to do, is just not jump to the absolute worst case scenario because I have such a tendency to wrap myself up in it and get so depressed. I mean, I interviewed yeah. Fred Guttenberg, his daughter was murdered. Um, I can't remember. Mm. I wish I could remember what school. I'm so terrible with the school names, but his daughter was you know murdered and and he's an activist she was murdered in one of these school massacres and he he was on my show and this was right at the i think it was the same day that mitt romney said that it was okay let's go forward with uh the confirmation for amy coney barrett and so i had gotten this news right before i did my podcast with fred and i i felt terrible because i just i just it, it was it was weird to interview a man who lost his child. I just yeah. it was very hard, and yeah. and very intimidating for me. And I want I didn't want to mess it up, and I didn't want to offend him. And sure. so you know we finished the interview, and then I kind I literally lost my shit. I just I mm. I went I cried like I sobbed 
on my mm. podcast because I thought I was going to lose my health care. And so yeah. I try, I'm trying now because I didn't lose my health care. So I'm trying now, or at least I haven't, to not jump to that worst case scenario because I have a tendency to just live in it and relive it and just come up with every worst case scenario that I can. So I'm trying to, re- I, I don't know if I can say remain positive, but not go to the dark side. It does happen occasionally, but right. I try to pull myself out. I am hopeful though, because I think we're going to see some, I think we're, we, you know, we may see some Rico and racketeering charges for Trump, even if they can't get him for anything on one six, or if they never go after him for uh, what they found in the Mueller report, obstruction and all that. If it, I yeah. think there's a possibility that the Rico, because that's how you get mobsters and he's a mobster. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we've got this year's going to be interesting because I do think we're going to see something. We're going to be seeing some kind of indictment or we're going to see him stripped of his funds or something. There's going to be something really bad that happens to the Trump family. It sure feels that way. I mean, there's so and it feels like it's all coming to a head right now, as you mentioned, it does from from so many different directions, too. And even like the timing of it, you were talking about, um, you know, the New York uh, attorney general. Like it was it was such an interesting. You remember how that broke? It broke really late. It was like 11 o'clock or Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. you know, it was such a weird like it wasn't like trying to hit a news cycle or anything. It was like kind of non-sexy, which yeah. I think even made it more legit. Yeah. You know? It wasn't like <laughs> just trying to catch, wasn't trying to catch a news cycle, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, it's, yeah, this is, I mean, this year is only going to get, who knows where we're going to be a year, I mean, six months from now. It's just, it's nuts. You know, the one thing real quickly, I want to say, Kimberly, and you brought it up a lot with the, the, the voting rights bill. Um, I, a lot of my friends that are Democrats and some of them, even my African-American friends who were, um, you know, big uh, Biden supporters even early, um, they s- said they wish that he would have uh, made that the very first piece of legislation that he would have pushed. You Me know? too. Me too. I wish yeah. he would have done that too, because then no matter what happens, because the bottom line is with Build Back Better, if we can't get what we want right now, if we are able to expand the majority We'll get it then. And, you know, right. what difference? It's going to be a couple year or two. And, yeah. you know, and then we'll get it. But it is what it is. And we have to go with what we've got now. And right. I don't know how they're going to overcome the Republicans paying off Joe Manchin and Kirsten, or, yeah, Kirsten Cinema. But hopefully they're going to figure this out. I really hope so. I'm just, you know, I'm, again, trying not to go into, the, like, to the deep dive of, of freak out. So, uh, you know, that's, that's where we are today. And hopefully yeah. we won't get into a war. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully democracy will survive. But it's been awesome talking to you. You're, I think it's, it's really cool that you're able to talk about politics as well, obviously, as your career, which everybody can talk about their career but um it's nice to be able to talk about politics which is nice to meet you because i've seen you on twitter it's like twitter's so fascinating because it's like this club where you get to go to the club and you just dance and hang out with different people yeah and you know exactly what it's like it's a great (laughs) analogy yeah and so it's like i you know spend time with you a little bit and spend time with this one a little bit and it's so it's it's awesome to get to know you and talk to you not in person but at least like this so i want to say thank you so much for being on the show and before i let you go tell everybody where they can find you um well the 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 go-to for all things freakbase.com and that's with two e's f-r-e-e-k-b-s-s.com and then um one place i would like really like to point people and you probably see me chiming about this a little bit on twitter is this new platform i started doing just a couple months back called uh twitch which hopefully a lot of your listeners know about but it's just twitch.tv uh slash freakbase and um it's basically all live stream but it's all when you go on a Twitch stream, you're on there for at least a couple hours at a time, and you're like what I do. Everybody does. It started off as a gaming platform, then it moved over. A lot of musicians and DJs are on it now, and it's the closest platform I felt to feeling like you're you're live because mm. you're interacting constantly. There's a chat that's going on the mm-hmm. whole time, so people are talking to you. Like for mine, what I do is I just kind of create grooves, and people give me lyric ideas, and I oh, make wow. up songs literally on the spot. Oh, how fun! And um, and you get that energy, so it almost feels it's the closest I felt to being live without being live. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a great, great um, 
uh, format, and uh, I'm really, really digging it. It's, our channel's starting to grow over there, like, pretty quickly. Oh, so, good. you know, if anybody, uh, you know, if they're, uh, just check it out. It's a really, not just for me, just, just in general. It's just right. twitch.tv, and then mine is twitch.tv slash freakbase, and just hit the follow button so you always know when I go live. And uh, I'd love to see, you know, everybody over there and say hello. Yeah. Cool. Well, so then. Tell them Kimberly sent you. Yeah, you too. yeah. <laughs> that would be yeah. cool. And then, yeah. you know, your your handle is Freak Base, so it's at, and then it's Freak, F-R-E-E-K-B-A-S-S. That's your Twitter handle. Just for everybody, I have uh, Freak's information, his links to his Twitter, and his link tree, which has everything in it on the Patreon description. Otherwise, just like I said, you can go to... Uh, his Twitter feed and you can find out all the information and then of course I'm author Kimberly K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y don't forget the extra E my books are on Amazon Freak it was awesome talking to you thank you so much oh I can do this all day long so thank <laughs> me you so too. much yeah thank you so much and I can't wait to see uh, you know hopefully a few months from now we'll, we'll see where, where this conversation leads to definitely definitely alright you take care alright you too thanks Kimberly bye bye, -bye.